Uh, let me introduce Chuck to you. Chuck, um, Chuck is a pastor of Psalm 84. Um, yeah, an awesome, alive church in this region um, that just started a few years ago. And actually, we've only known each other for a few years, which is just crazy to me because I feel like we're lifetime friends. It, it really does feel that way in our spirit. Chuck and I uh, dream a lot together. We spend a lot of time together, and we dream a lot together about how to bring the body of Christ together in this region and how um, we as the body of Christ can influence with light, you know, um, the pl- dark places in, the, you know, in this region. Like, we, we have the light. So we sit and talk about such things. Um, Chuck is on our board of directors at Blazing Fire, which... Which is just crazy, and it breaks all the rules of, of being in competition with other pastors and churches and stuff. Maybe because we're not. Um, so uh, we are family, and um, we just do a whole lot of things together. Earlier today, Chuck um, spoke at our East Bay Healing Center, which was phenomenal. We did videotape it, so, um, so uh, hopefully we can put that out there. And he shared all kinds of amazing testimony. So I don't know what more he has on tap. Actually, I know a little bit because we talked at dinner. But it's going to be great. I, I just want to encourage you, open up your hearts. Chuck, Chuck is the real deal, as well as Linda. They're just... Uh, sweet-hearted, you know, Jesus-loving people. Very easy to trust. So um, so open your heart to them, and would you welcome Chuck McCallum with me? going to start out, I want you guys to stand up because we're going to do a, a prophetic exercise to begin with. So it was funny hearing Brent share about shake, what, what were you talking about shaking? Unshakable. The unshakable, and, and I felt like the Lord gave me this word, it's in song, so if you could plug it in and play it, and you can move to the music if you guys want to move to the music. There it is. Let's see if they get it on there. Is it working? If it's not, I'll do it on my phone over the mic. (laughs) Come on, come on. (laughs) Yeah, this is probably the only church I could do that on. (laughs) Yeah. Does that feel better? So you couldn't greet each other, so you needed to move around a little bit. Wow. So you can unplug it if you want. Yeah, so then the hum will go away. We're used to this church. If you, if you plug it in, it hums. There, that's better. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. So Jesus, we ask that you would just, uh, just be present. You're already present, but I just pray that you be present in what I'm talking about and that you, Lord, would just release um, greater authority in this group of people here. There's a great authority on this church. And so I'm going to talk about that tonight. It's about authority and how to operate in authority and how to walk in authority and where authority comes from. So, Jesus, I pray that you'd release greater authority in people's lives right now. They understand what they carry and what you carry, 
and how they carry what you carry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Today we were talking about Jesus, and we were talking about healing, and we were talking about having Jesus' eyes. It says in Matthew 9.36, when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Before the Great Commission comes the Great Compassion. Great Compassion always is the author, it creates what we need to be able to reach the world. And if you, I've been spending a lot of time in Matthew 9, Matthew 10. So this morning, or this afternoon, I talked about Matthew 9. I'm going to move into Matthew 10 tonight. Because that's where the Great Commission is. After all this healing and the, the disciples witnessing this powerful ministry of Jesus where he touched everyone, where he, he saw people. We talked about having Jesus' eyes this afternoon. When you have Jesus' eyes, you see people as they really are. And you're, you're, what, what's inside of you comes out by how you see things. Your perception of how you react to the things that come to you in the world is a representation of where your heart is with Jesus. If you respond with Jesus' heart, you know where you are. If you respond like um, with, with hopelessness or with fear or with, other, with brokenness, you, you actually have not fully walked into your identity in Christ. Because it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. As, as a friend of mine said, you'd rather be a thermostat than a thermometer. And if you're a prophetic culture, can't grow up in a prophetic culture and really have an impact unless, until you become a thermometer more than you are a thermostat more than a thermometer. Because if you're a thermostat, you change the environment around you. And you carry that everywhere you go. When, when Jesus looked up on the crowd, he saw gold. Next, next slide. He saw harvest. And so the word that God has been speaking to me is about keys of harvest in chapter 10. That God is right now releasing a harvest unheard of in the history of, of humankind. And he's preparing a harvest field. Um, I met with Pastor Brent and we were talking about getting other pastors together. And one of the three things we said that we'll get, to get people together about is... Jesus, <laughs> family, because we're all called to family, and pastors need to understand family. And third, harvest. God is going after the world, and if we're in unity and we're working together, we're going to be able to reach the world like never before. And Jesus looked into a group of people that other people saw that were broken because they didn't have Jesus' eyes, and he did not, they did not see what Jesus saw. Jesus saw harvest. He saw valuable people that God loved that he could use in a powerful way. You know, the next slide. So I think it, it slid up a little bit there, but there's some keys to harvest that, um, that, that God has spoken to me in, in chapter 10. And one is, as a result of seeing the great, uh, him having the great compassion, what came out of the great compassion was the great commission. The very first thing he does after seeing that laborers need to go out in the harvest, he took the 12 members of his family. They were family members that he had called together, and he sent them out. For us to have an impact in the world today, we need to have disciples. When people ask me, well, who are you going to spend time with? My focus is on people who are discipling other people. Because if I know they're discipling other people, I know that they understand family and they understand 
nurturing, and they understand going after others. So my focus is to disciple people, and I want other, my heart is that other people see that as well. Well, Jesus sent, at, before you, the Great Commission happens, you need to be part of a family, and you're part of the Blazing Family, Fire Family. You're part of the bigger family of Jesus Christ, and you, you're, you're called to be part of family, and out of family comes authority, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. But there, I'm not going to hit all these tonight, but I'm going to give you an overview of these, and we're going to focus in on authority. The second thing that Jesus did was he sent them out for a specific purpose. He goes, do not go anywhere except to the nation of Israel. Even though they were called to the Great Commission in, in Matthew 10 to go out to all the world, God gave them a specific focus and strategy. And if we're going to go after harvest, we need to hear from the Holy Spirit what the specific strategy is for ourselves. Everyone in this room is called to a specific strategy for the kingdom, and they need to hear from Holy Spirit what that is specifically for them. And if you understand what that strategy, Jesus sends us to do something. And a lot of times we get all over the place. Us people, we want to go to the next conference. We want to go to all these kingdom things. And we get so all over the place that we don't focus on the keys that God wants us to have. So I think part of what we need to do is really begin to pray, what is my role in, in the harvest? What am I called to do? You won't know it if you're not in family because you won't know your identity unless you've connected in the family of Christ because through family, you will understand who you are. But once you understand who you are or someone else understands who you are, because you get sent out before you totally understand yourself. Jesus sent out 12 disciples that did not have it all together. They are not the statues that you see in the Catholic Church where, they're, where you're worshiping. They are 12 everyday people that God sent out almost after only about a year of schooling. He sent them out. So God sends them out. And when he sends them, he gives them authority. They were learning to how to walk in their authority, and he tells them to heal the sick and tell, tell people that the kingdom of God is at hand, which is the rule and the reign of God. That God's, God is going to do a big thing, and they're going to be a part of it. I'm going to tell you, God is still doing a big thing. He's still the great I am, and you're a part of it. And he's called you to go after it. And I, I don't care how much, well, that's why I said shake it off. Because if you shake off disappointment, if you shake off all these fear, if you shake off things that didn't show up the way you thought they would, you'll begin to walk into what God has for you. Because you could wait 20 years for something, and that 20 years is worth the wait. Because in the waiting of, of what God's doing in your life, if you can get past disappointment, and you can, be, you can stay in that intimate place with Jesus, when the harvest time comes like there is today, there is a harvest time here. People are more open to Jesus than ever before. And love shows itself through unselfishness. It reveals itself by reaching out to other people. It cares for the broken. It cares for those who can't take care of themselves. It loves people. It's unselfish. It, it's, love is crazy good. The other... Uh, the other uh, uh, basically goals for, um, or keys for the harvest, are influencing or finding the man or woman of peace. I believe that every person in this room is called to connect with someone. 
that is the woman of peace, whether it's at your work, whether it's at the coffee shop. Every one of you has a sphere of authority that's around your life. And in that sphere of authority is a person that God, that is waiting for you to share the message of the good news. When you understand the good news, there's no shame in, in sharing it. Um, God will show you things ahead of time. Uh, we, the other few weeks ago, we were with Chris Overstreet, and we were in Berkeley. And my son is interning with Chris right now. And they prayed that, that people would get dreams ahead of the outreach. And while we're there, we're outside, and we see a group of fraternity brothers getting drunk out on, the, out, out on the Berkeley campus, and Chris gets all excited, and he runs up to them to share Jesus with them. <laughs> the first guy looks at him and says, I had a dream about you last night. <laughs> so do you see the, the key? He was bold without shame. He went up there, and he shared, and they had prayed for a dream, and the dream happened. <laughs> well, we're sitting there, we're talking, the Lord speaks to me. I'm just talking to somebody else. And I look up and says, that one man over there is the captain of the rugby team. I want you to go tell him. So I go up to him and I said, are you on the rugby team? He goes, yeah, I am on the rugby team. Are you the captain of the rugby team? He says, yes, I'm the captain of the rugby team. In fact, all these guys are on the rugby team. And so we end up ministering to this group of people because of Chris's boldness, because of a dream that somebody had opened them up. And then God, I just happened to be there and pick up a word of knowledge at the right time, at the right place. Um, and so we're beginning to minister to this group of people. And all of a sudden, we get in a scrum. It was like we were playing rugby. And we were in a scrum. And they said, let's pray. This is coming from the guys who were drunk a second ago. So we got our arms around each other. And we have a picture of it, arms around. And they begin to declare over their bodies healing without us even teaching them about that. My, one, one says, my knee is getting healed right now. Jesus, heal my knee. My left shoulder is getting healed. My gosh, we didn't even teach them they're doing, making declarations. I, I can tell you, there is harvest. So that dream, and us moving out, we were influencing the man or woman of peace to reach that rugby team. Isn't that crazy? Moving by the Spirit. That's a key to harvest. That's what you learn around here is listening to the Holy Spirit and understanding what he's doing and what he's after. Mm -hmm. But imagine, that can happen outside this place. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, that, that's on my heart is, uh, and, and is the issue of the, the church and the structure of the church. Mm -hmm. I believe we've got the structure of the church that there's going to be a new wrong, and I think there's going to be a new reformation to the church. Uh -huh. Because I, what I believe is, especially with the idea of seven mountain ministry, we see these seven mountains or six other mountains that are around the church, and the church is kind of separate from those other mountains. And so what happens is everybody gets beat up. They go to work, in business, media, whatever those mountains are, family. They get beat up, and then they go to the church to get healed. All that's good. We're supposed to go to the church to get healed. But what's supposed to also happen is the church is supposed to expand its borders so that it is actually enveloping the culture of the other six mountains. Pastors, leaders are supposed to be going out into those other mountains, and the leaders that are, the leaders that have been raised up in those other mountains are actually going to be coming into the church and ministering to the church. In lieu of, 
of it being a consumer type of thing where we just show up to listen to me or listen to Brent. We are called to be powerful people where we make an impact out in the world. And so if we begin to walk like that, we'll begin to not be consumers anymore, but we'll be empowered people who are walking in the power of God. And when you come here in, on, on Saturday nights, you're going to share a testimony of what God did in your life that week. God is going to actually start to shake up the church so that our border, we're a church without borders, that we reach out into those communities and we begin to influence it. That's what Matthew 16 is all about because Matthew 16 says even the gates of hell will not stand against my church because at that time there was no building for a church. The church was the village, and the village was everything you do. It was your family. It was your work. It was every part of who you were. It was your entertainment. It was everything. That's the church. The church is called to all regions of society, and it does so when we know who we are in Christ, and we don't have to run to church. So the goal is, if you get healed in here, is to go out and begin to bring the, your, the identity of Christ in the other places. And you know you're getting well, because when, you bring he, when heaven is fully inside yourself, where you nearly know yourself, you bring heaven everywhere you go. And when you bring heaven where, everywhere you go, you bring church everywhere you go. And pretty soon, everybody's knowing about who Jesus is, and you ha- you're not ashamed about it. It breaks off you, and you're comfortable even with really difficult people. I've learned to be difficult with, I mean, I mean I've learned, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a slip. I have learned to be difficult. I've learned to deal with difficult people at my work over time, who other people would not like to be around. And, uh, but heaven had to get stronger in me than their issues. And do I try to control them or change them? Do I, have, do I try to manipulate them or fix them to change how I feel? No, that's not healthy. I change myself. Because the kingdom of heaven is inside of me. When you judge other people, you're working in a place where you're judging another person. And one of the keys to harvest is to find a man or woman of peace and to work in that community of people, and pretty soon you can change the culture that's around you. I I was hiring a bunch of people at my business from Bethel because I wanted to bring five-fold ministry into my business. You know what they're doing now? They're hiring people who are kingdom people into my business, and I'm not even hiring them anymore. I I was just down in Ventura, and... Two of the people came up to me and goes, I've heard about Psalm 84. Um, these are, I've been in a civil engineering business, and they said, man, we're excited to know you. I knew you know, Jack Little from the vineyard, and another person says, I got a home. I'm, I'm in uh, Reality, which is a, a church down in Ventura. I'm in a small group, and they're sharing their hearts with me. I've got believers in every single one of my offices now who are influencing the culture of my company, my civil engineering company. And my goal was not to, uh, I don't want a Christian company. I want a kingdom company that will influence other people where I'm bringing church into it. So I see the overlap happening. And I'm finding the man or woman of peace in all parts of society. And that's how we're going to get harvest. The other thing that talks about in here, you're going to have to read Matthew 10 to pick up all these things that I'm talking about. But it's all in there. Trust me. Not walking in the status quo or be guided by familiar spirits. In, in this part of chapter 10, it talks about that you need to love Jesus more than your own family. He's not talking about hating your family. 
He's saying you need to love Jesus and the Spirit more than your own family. And the reason that they come against you is because familiar spirits, genealogical things that have kept them from accepting the love of Christ. And when you separate yourself and your heart to serve Jesus, they may not understand it at first. Jesus' family did not understand it at first. They had to learn to walk in their authority. And in in the process of, of doing that, finding their identity, they could go back to their family and start changing what's going on. We're not called to walk in the status quo. A lot of things that we do, and we don't even know it, we are, we're being absorbed into a culture, but we're to be separate from our culture. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. Don't you want to be in the world? Some of us don't even want to be in the world sometimes. <laughs> but you can be in the world because of the joy set before you for all those people, just like Jesus had a joy set before him. Your joy is all those people you see. And so when you see with Jesus' eyes, you see the harvest, and you know what God has put in front of you. It's powerful. Perseverance. Perseverance is a key to walking in the kingdom. Perseverance is a gift from God. Perseverance is seen by many people in this room who have persevered for 15, 20, 30 years walking with Jesus. Perseverance is what we're called to, even if we suffer. Because we will suffer for Jesus' name. Because when we carry the name of Jesus, the same persecution he received will receive. Do you think that's odd? Oh, I did something wrong. People hate me for being um, absolutely in love with Jesus. No. By you being in love with Jesus, you're breaking the shame and allowing them to see what it means to really be like Jesus. When you really live a shameless life, You can be fully full of Jesus and be in the workplace and be around people and be able to express who you are. You love people. There is no shame. The things that you do here are the things you can do out there, outside this church. And the reason you can is because you're without shame. You know who you are in Christ. And if you can't do them out there, maybe you shouldn't be doing them in here. I'm serious. Those are things that you've got to be yourself in all places. I can dance. One time I was with a group of Bethel students, and the joy of the Lord hit me before I went into my business office. Okay? And I walked in with attorneys, land developers, and uh, engineers. And I was laughing. I was filled with, I was like, (laughs) 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 I'm filled with it. But I was so happy, and I felt no shame. And these guys loved me, and they they knew my excellence, they knew my authenticity, they had connected me in the, and they all started laughing too. Everyone in that room, the attorney started laughing, the developer started laughing, the engineer started laughing. They said, why are we laughing? I go, you wouldn't understand, but doesn't it feel good? Because they weren't ready to hear that, hear that yet, right? So you, you, but, but they, you begin to be yourself, and people see your authentic self. So if you can dance, if you can, you can shout out the name of the Lord, you could do those in other places. Because you follow love. Love, love, love. Uh, 
welcoming Jesus in every area of your life. The last passage, part of John 10, talks about if you welcome a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward, right? What you welcome in your life, you'll receive the reward for it. If you welcome the least of these, you'll receive a reward. See, God, when you're welcoming and you create hospitality around your life, it opens up the door. Are you a welcoming, hospitable person? That's a door for people to experience Jesus. They need family. And when you welcome prophetic people into your home, when you welcome uh, weak people into your home, people who are struggling, and they feel that you're the same person, it is so powerful. You should be able to go into all parts of society, whether you're, you're working with the elite in our culture or the lowest of our culture, and them all feel comfortable with you. That's the difference with Jesus. He could talk with the government officials. Paul could talk to the government officials, but he could also talk to the everyday person on the street because he didn't see any difference. They were God's children and valuable. So I believe there's a word for um, blazing fire. You can go to the next one. I believe that God wants to release kingdom, greater kingdom authority in here, a power to influence or impact the world by kingdom reality and identity. But this sometimes will lead to conflict with the familiar, the status quo, and the worldly authorities. If you go, we'll turn to Matthew, 9, finally, uh, Matthew 10 finally, and I'll read a couple passages for you. But it, are you guys with me on this? I mean, think about it. Are you comfortable to be yourself everywhere? I, I really want to be the same person everywhere I go. Ooh. So when you start walking in authority, here's, here's an interesting thing that it talks about in Matthew 10. And I found this very curious. Behold, this is in verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men that they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to the other. For assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Isn't it interesting? How many, how many of you feel like you carry authority? Okay. Isn't it interesting that they get their evidence of authority is to be thrown before uh, the authorities and be scourged and to be delivered almost like prisoners before these people because they carried authority and people were attracted to them. When you carry authority, you will find yourself being drawn into the oddest circumstances. God will actually draw you into places. That boss you think hates you at work, you have authority in his life. Have you ever had a boss that, you, that really discourages you? And you, it's hard to work for that person, right? 
I'm just going to tell you, you have authority there. The reason you've been placed in that person's life, the reason why they're, they're struggling with you is because there's a, there's a, there's a conflict that's going on yeah. with the authority of heaven and the authority of the world. And if you bring the culture of honor into that situation, you will actually change, could change a person. I've actually changed a person at my work who now comes to me about key things. Just one story about this person. Um, a few years ago, he, th this is one of my partners. He was struggling with my other partners in Santa Clara who are no longer at my company. But he was struggling with them, and he was upset. And I came up to him, and I said, I'll just say Jim. I'm going to make up a name. I said, Jim, I said, you have authority here. You, you know the decision to make. You should make the right decision. Because my other partners were actually making a, a kind of a selfish decision that wasn't right. And I knew my, my partner, Jim, had the authority to make the right decision. So I looked at Jim, and I said, you have the authority to deal with the right decision here. Now, Jim re responded to that and said, oh, do I? I go, yeah. Now, Jim had more authority than me at the time in, in my company, and yet I was honoring him. There, and he, he struggled with a lot of stuff. But all of a sudden, and I said, you're, you're being affected by the spirit of fear, and you, there is no fear. God doesn't want you to have fear. And so I prayed for him, and he went, and he made the right decision, and he dealt with my other partners correctly, and they came into alignment with the right decision. And then he felt so much joy. You know what he did? He went and he came to me and said, I would like for Christmas to buy a gift for somebody in need. And do you know any, I was going to Cornerstone at the time, he goes, do you know anybody in need that I can help? I said, sure. So I called my friend and we found a family that a, a young lady was, um, needed a feeding tube. She actually needed one of these special chairs to help her. And the goal was for them just to give gifts like similar to what you're doing for Christmas. What ended up happening was, was Jim gave $10,000 and bought her the wheelchair that she wanted because he felt so much presence. He felt so much love as a result of me breaking the spirit of fear and honoring him as an authority that it changed him. So God could give you bosses that may be difficult, and if you can influence them. So God will bring you into places of influence. Influence sometimes. Joseph was put in a place of influence, and he got thrown in jail. So sometimes what influence looks like is not the way the world looks like influence. It's like the goal, when, the goal of God is to put you in a place where you can impact certain people in your sphere of influence, and so that they could be changed for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And every one of you has been given a sphere of influence. God just chose to put Joseph in prison to make that his sphere of influence. It may not. He may make you the next president of the United States. I don't know. But, he, but God puts you in places where you have influence and you make a difference. So when you begin to walk in God's authority, do not, do not be ashamed or do not be afraid when you get when you come into conflict situations. But when you're in conflict situations, do not act like the world. Oh, I'm going to gossip about that person. I'm going to judge that person. I'm gonna, I'm, I want to hurt them back. 
If you begin to walk in the identity of Jesus, you'll have so much authority that you'll be able to go into that atmosphere and you'll be able to change them as because of your behavior, because you love so much. Don't be afraid. Say, I'm not going to be afraid. I have authority in the sphere of influence that God has placed me. And I will nurture the seeds that, of, of, of influence that God has given me. He may give me one talent, five talents, or ten talents. But I'm going to utilize them for the kingdom. So that's the kind of authority that God wants to draw you into where you have influence. God wants to increase the influence of this group of people in this room. And he's calling you to a place of influence. He's calling you not... Some of you are called to just be here and be healed for a while, and that's okay. But ultimately, what God wants to do is push the church out. And I'm saying this more to the leaders of the place. He wants you... Those of you who are doing well in this place, he's pushing you out to influence the rest of this community. And if you do so you'll make it a safe place for those people that you want to make it safe here for. Because you'll start impacting the culture. And if we impact the culture, th- there's going to be a lot more safer people in the world. And it, and it takes place by us bringing the culture of honor, which many of you have learned about, into the workplace, into the, pl- the seven mountains that God has called us to be a part of. I'll sit there for a second and move on. So, steps to authority. When you want to grow in authority, the first thing that Jesus did with authority was he taught it, and then he modeled it. So if you want to grow authority in the people that you're ministering to, I say, teach it and model it. Go step out yourself. Go do things, show them, like Jesus did in chapter 9. Us as leaders, that's what we need to do. We need to go out and model things and take risks. That's what we're called to do. And uh, as we do so, other will, people will do it. And we model it. And then what we're called to do is release it. And send out other people with a focus. So you've got fathers and mothers in this church. What I would encourage you is say, come up to them and say, hey, what, what should I be doing? What's God, you know, work it out with them. Talk to them about what you're called to do. And leaders, I would encourage you is to find people and find out who, what they're called to do and send them out. God has called this church to be an apostolic sending church. That means you send people out to go things, do things. An apostolic church actually sends people to other places to do things for a purpose. Why? Because you're, because you're covered by the, the apostolic authority of the place. So the, second thing, the third thing, if you want to grow in authority as a, as a church, is go find the family, the house, the village, the town that are prepared to receive the people that you're sending. Go and find the, 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 the son and daughter of peace. Go find the place of blessing. There are places of blessing for all of you where you're called to go minister. And if you don't, if, if, if that doesn't work, just shake it off, right? That's what he said, shake off the sand off your feet, right? You just shake it off and you move to the next place. Because your father wants good things for you. 
You should never walk in disappointment. So authority is gained as you begin to step out and as you begin to trust God. And even if there is rejection, you begin to move forward to find out who you are. And I feel like there are people in this room that need to discover who they are. God has so many powerful people in this room that he wants to work with. And then if the conflict comes, remember, the religious power is going to hang around you because they'll recognize your authority. The go- anybody with control, if, you, if you're walking in true freedom in Christ, they'll want to come control you. They'll come over. <laughs> they'll come over and they'll try to control you <laughs> because it scares them because you have so much freedom and you have so much authority. And so you could just say, you could reject them or you could bless them. And if you bless them, you create a greater sense of authority as you move forward in Christ. Governmental authorities will be attracted to you. Pastor Brent has been, God has given him grace with governmental authorities. I, Linda and I, there's been crazy things happen. We go to, we go to banquets and we, get, we sit next to the mayor. We get, to go to, we get to go to activities and we sit next to congressmen. We're not doing anything. We're like Forrest Gump. Do you ever feel like Forrest Gump? A, a lot of my spiritual life has been about being Forrest Gump. I just show up at the right place at the right time and witness these incredible events. <laughs> because I carry the authority of Jesus. Because I'm his son. And you're his son and daughter. So God is going to throw you into a great adventure if you're willing to go after it. Where God is going to use you to reach people, to love people, to care for people in a powerful way. He's, if we do it, if, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Before the Great Commission comes the Great Compassion. So I believe that God's going to visit this house with greater love. There's great love here. Every time I come here, I just lay on the floor and experience the love of Jesus. First time I came here, God, I had an all-night visitation from the Holy Spirit. Some of you have heard this before. Eight hours long, it only felt like an hour, where the robe and the ring, God just blessed me with his love. Okay? That's what God wants to do. He wants to build your walls. He wants to push your walls out. And it may not be a building, always, Although it could be a building. I pray that it would be a great building. Maybe we can share a building. I don't know. So a building, a build, the right building in the right place for what God wants to do. But our walls are going to get wider. And we're going to reach lots of people. I mean, my gosh, if we didn't have everybody in this room, we couldn't reach all types of people. You know? Everybody in this room... Everybody in the different churches, that's why Pastor Brent and myself feel like unity is a key. We felt for a long time there's going to be a revival here, the Winnebago revival that's going to take place with healing in this place where people are going to come to this region. So what is Holy Spirit telling you? So what time is it? It's 8.15? Hmm. Let's just sit here for a second. I, I, this is what I'm learning to do. I talk a lot, and then all of a sudden I stop for a second. I figure out 
where I am. I, I tend to run ahead of Jesus. I'd be the, I'd be the guy who'd run to the tomb first <laughs> and run past it <laughs> and miss it. And then I'd go, oh, there it is. <laughs> and my wife, my wife would be pointing at the tomb and say, Chuck, it's over here. And she would get there before me, even though I got there first and I ran past it because she was more focused on it. But that's me. I just get excited. I'm catalytic. But I'm strategic. And my heart is that God... I've been a civil engineer um, for about 20 years. I was a pastor, then I was a civil engineer, and now I'm starting to pastor again. And the thing that I did in the natural was build infrastructure. So I believe that I'm, what God has put in my heart is to lay down words to build infrastructure for the next move of God. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord and be in a place of worship than anywhere else. It doesn't matter. Fathers don't care about who gets the credit for the move of God. What if, what if Blazing Fire was just an infrastructure for a bigger move of God that occurred through multiple churches in the area? Would you care? That's good, because you shouldn't care. God, the, God's purpose is to build his kingdom and to build his family. And his heart is to build his family. And his heart is to father and mentor people. Um, something happened to me in 2013 where God reawakened me. It was interesting that Bob Jones had a word in 2012 that the people in their 50s were going to wake up to help the next generation of the millennials. And that he was waking us up for the purpose of doing a move, that it was going to be a co-generational move of God. I, even though I love young people, I believe there's a co-generational part. And I'm a baby boomer. There's more of us than anybody else. So <laughs> we're, I'm the end of the baby boom. But there is more of us than anyone else. And God has called us, I, I really believe that God has called us to co-mentoring the next generation. There's going to be a lot more young people that are coming here. And if, if is, is Todd and Karina here? Can you guys come up? I want I want to I want to pray for Would it be okay if we pray for them? It's cool. Yeah, we pray for them. Okay. If if <laughs> Brent, Brent, I want you to come up too so you can't you can't iPhone this. You have to give it to somebody else. And Suzanne, Linda, I just want to pray for this couple. Absolutely. Um so I just feel like there's a lot of dreams in them, and they, they call for young people. And it's part of Blazing Fire, but it's also part of what God's doing in the bigger area. And I just, want, I just want to pray for them, that God would just bless and release greater authority on them the season ahead. And I, I just pray for you, Karina, the strategic's all over you. It's all over you. And God says, I can do it in rest, Karina. It's not going to be overwhelming. And so many big ideas right here. So many big ideas, Todd. So many big ideas. God is going to put shape to those ideas and give you wisdom in how to apply those ideas. Both for a one-year and a five-year plan. We just bless you in Jesus' name to hear the voice of the Lord for the next season that's ahead for you. Thank you, Jesus. Staring at Lord. <laughs> Father, we bless the dreams. The dreams that are real. Not imaginary dreams. Dreams that are already that have substance to them. 
Father, the dreams that these two carry of a generation that has been uh, so wounded and, and, uh, and, and kicked around and kicked out that their, their, uh, their hearts are at want, want them to come back home. So, Father, thank you for what you've placed inside of them. And, God, let it come forth. We're just declaring this is the time, Father. This is the time. This is the time for the seeds, God, that you have watered, that you have for so long, God, inside of these hearts. It's time for that seed to take, to take off, for the, for the blooming to come. Wow. Father, thank you for uh, supernatural resources. Thank you, God, at the same time for removing any fear or doubt or shame or one or wondering if this is you. Wow. Freedom, you guys. There's freedom to run with Jesus. I just really feel like the like the enemy has been pummeling you and just punching you around a lot. And I feel it's I feel like it's because of the people that you're going to be influencing, all the young people that you're influencing and raising up, because they are powerful. They're going to be reaching nations. They're going to be works of wonder from God's kingdom. And because of that, you know, the enemy, he's just trying to stop you. But we're not going to let that happen. Right? We're going to say, no. We're going to say, stop it. (laughs) refresh them lord strengthen them lord more surround them more angels surround them with more angels yes lord thank you lord rest and restoration My Spogo. <laughs> so when we started praying, I saw Todd and you, uh, Karina, walking through um, a pine forest, and there's absolutely no trail. And I just, I feel like there are just sparkle lights firing off all around you, and that that's the angelic presence, and I just pray right now that you both would understand and see God's guidance through all these steps, that this is not um, a clear pathway, and I just pray that he would just continue to to lead you, and that you guys are not going to get lost in this. There is a clear path, but the Lord is keeping it um, covered with pine needles so that others are not going to be traveling it and destroying what he's doing with you. Yeah. So I just bless you both with just um, a sense of peace as the Lord leads you. Yeah, for just that the Father would just pour out his love on you. Yeah, that you wouldn't be discouraged when you don't see a pathway. But instead you would just see Jesus release that thank you father yeah so this is an example of a couple called to a focus that god is placing on their lives and how how that's sent out they're they're connected with brent and suzanne that's going to happen but i believe there are people in the room that god has a calling on their lives 
and you know what it is. If you know what your focus is, stand up. Wow. 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 Look around. Okay. So, awesome. All these focused people. So, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to Pastor Brent to pray for you and to take it, but I, I feel like what God is doing is he's calling you out to the focus that God has called you to do and, and that you can connect with your fathers and mothers about, about what God has called you to do. You'll continue to serve them and their vision, but there are things that God is going to call you to do. And listen to Holy Spirit because when, you, it's, when it's time to go, you'll know. But share with them your dreams and share with them your heart and what you're, what you're going after because this will increase the walls of blazing fire and actually not just blazing fire but it's church. As I say, we're multiple campuses, one church. So, but it's going to expand what God is doing in this region. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. This is so good. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So I, first thing I want to tell you, I'm praying this and I'm declaring over you that, that the focus that the Lord has given you is real. That was the first word right there. You take that one first. The focus is real because the enemy will keep playing with you to tell you it's not real. You're making it up. Nothing you can do about it. You are um, the world changer that God says you are. So, Father, I thank you. Wow. I thank you, God. I don't, Father, I think that the... And for you who are sitting, there's, there's no shame. The Lord's going to... I don't know if, Chuck, you're going to speak into that, but God's going to be speaking to you. He's going to be giving you more and more clarity. To me, I look at the percentage of people stand up and I say, this is a sign of the, of the day that we're in. Because I think... A few years ago, there'd be a handful of people maybe that would stand up. So, Father, I, I just take this as each, each person standing and each one sitting because it's coming. Each one is a sign and a wonder to you. And, Father, these who have stood up and they say, I know what it is that my Father has said I'm to focus on. Father, would you give them singular focus, singular focus. Jesus, doing this with you always, never just for you but with you, Jesus, that they're going to impact spheres and realms. With you, Jesus, with you, with your spirit. And I declare over you that nothing is impossible for you. You and Jesus are doing this together, and that makes you 100% successful already. So I bless the success of God's kingdom in and through you as you represent his heart. And from... I would venture to guess every one of you standing, you've gone through it to get where you are. The Lord has tested your heart. There's lots of testing that happens. I'm not saying everything that happens is the Lord testing, but I'm saying he does allow certain things to test our hearts, to say, let me take you to new places to carry my heart the way only you can carry it. And in the end, you're going to see how beautiful this is and how good I really am. So I bless you. I bless you. I bless you.